following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This is the Players' Lounge. Broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. All right, here we are, Players Lounge. It's a little delayed, but but it's okay. We had our we had a mojo moment, but we're all good. We got a mojo moment here. <laughs> we, 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 we lost that mojo moment. Yeah, we, 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 <laughs> that was definitely our mojo moment we for, uh, for the week right there. <laughs> all right, Players Lounge brought to you by Hotels.com. I'm Newey Scruggs, longtime Cowboys. Reporter joined by two former Dallas Cowboys safeties, Barry Church and Danny McRae. And, yes, we've got to hit up Hard Knocks as HBO's um, outstanding series made its debut in the Cowboys episode one last night on HBO. The mojo moment was the thing that I was glad they got inside to understand, show us what Mike McCarthy was talking about with the Austin Powers and everything that went into it. Because while I was at camp in Oxnard, you heard it. You didn't kind of know what it was. He explained it a little bit, but it was better to see exactly how it all unfolded. So, gentlemen, right out of the gate, and I'm going to start with you, Danny McCray. What was your thoughts of the way Mike McCarthy was portrayed in Hard Knocks? Okay, I thought she was about to ask about the Mojo moment because uh, not sure if it hit the way that he thought it was <laughs> you... as, as I watched it. <laughs> um, but you know, listen, if, if, whatever you, whatever you need to do to get your team hype and help them understand the, the situation that you're trying to put them in to make them better, I, well, you know, whatever you got to do, you got to do it. But I mean, this is what I said was going to happen to Coach McCarthy once he got on this TV show. It was going to show that he is not really doing much. If you, really, the only thing you could say that he did on that show was come up with the mojo moment. Other than that, it showed that him and Dak might not be as cool as they should be right now. They showed the, the special teams coach more, having more of a personality with his uh, players. They showed mm-hmm. Jerry. And then the rest of it was the Dak and uh, Zeke show. So, yeah. uh it just, you know, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we see see a little bit more of, of, of Big Mike, but uh, that one, you know, it really didn't didn't show much. Yeah, to me, it kind of came off the Mojo moment came off as it's just kind of gimmicky, just a little gimmicky. Um, I mean, we saw you know last Hard Knocks when when Gruden was up there talking about you know knock if you hear me or knock on wood or something like that to all his players. So to me, that that Mojo moment it was it was kind of gimmicky. But real quick, Nui, let me ask you when they when they go to this Mojo moment, this like you know this little situational thing, is it like a stretch of three plays? Is it like a full series? Or they doing like a two-minute drill or or a red zone, you know, red zone drill or something like that? Like, how does each mojo moment, you know, break down on the field? Or is it just a one-off? Like, all right, it's, it's, it's Austin Powers time. It's mojo. It's mojo. Get your mojo, whatever, ready. Let's go on this field for this one play. Like, like how does that break down as far as that mojo moment, that, that sequence of events? Yeah, he'll tell you exactly the situation and how much time it is and where the ball is going to be. Okay. So you have to go through that. Um, one of them that I that they showed last night was where the offense had to get you, know, you have what, 18 seconds left or whatnot, but you had to get the ball in the end zone. And um, Garrett Gilbert couldn't get it done. Another Mojo moment. Danucci ended up throwing one in the end zone, and and, and C.D. Lamb caught it, and, and the offense won. So so they were they've been trying to have competitive situations throughout camp where the offense and defense are going back at it, and and the defense has fared. Very, to me, the defense when I was out there 
got the better of the offense overall. But there were a couple of these times in these mojo moments in these final um, seconds that the offense ended up looking good. So that was kind of what you saw last night that, that you know Gilbert couldn't get it done. But it, it's tough, and you guys know from a defensive standpoint, it's tough when you know – you know, let's say a Micah Parsons gets there or a defensive lineman gets there, but all of a sudden the quarterback can spin out and still throw a ball in the end zone and, and, and make a, you know, make a play. But yeah, it's a look, he's trying to do something different. I used to hate when, when they used to do that with, <laughs> with Romo. I mean, we'd be a two minute drill, you know, D where get off the edge easily, easily could have sacked the quarterback, but they didn't blow a whistle. And then Romo gets a little pass off and then, you know, it's the offense celebrating. It's just to get their confidence <laughs> up. But I'm like, man, that, that play should have been dead. That's the thing. That's the reason I hate two minute drills when you're doing camp and against the offense. Cause it's always catered into, we got to stop. It's over. It should be over coaches. No, 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 no. We still got time. We got time for another sequence. We got time for another. It's always catered to, to let the offense win. But Overall, when, when it came to that hard knocks, Nui, Danny, to y'all, who who in that first episode, besides McCarthy, who stuck out the most as a player when you were looking at I know it was the Dak and the Zeke show, but has anybody, did anybody else kind of stuck out to you when you were watching that hard knocks? Uh, I, I, I say, you know, most of the other part of the show focused on Michael Parsons. Yeah. Um, he's a high-energy guy. You can tell that he really loves the game of football. He's kind of all over the place, kind of like most rookies yeah. are right now. Yeah. So I can kind of understand uh, the conversation that we had a few shows ago where they were saying we just, we're just we going to tone it down a little mm-hmm. bit. We're going to like get you into one position and let you focus on playing football and playing fast so you don't have to worry about should I, should I hammer or should I spill, should I force him inside, should I force him outside. Just get out there and just play fast like you did that made you, you know, the first-round pick, uh, which is interesting. I will say this, hold on, because this mojo moment, I can't let it die, okay? <laughs> no, I don't think many coaches, you know, whatever, they, they may do it a different way. But nobody's reinventing the wheel, right? Mm-hmm. The the Mojo Moment Church, yeah. what we know is gotta have it situation. Gotta have it situations, <laughs> All right, yeah. it's the same thing we used to do when JG was here, and but his, I think his was more sporadic because mm-hmm. you would have a gotta have it situation, you know, four or five times of practice. Oh, hey yeah. man, look, it's time for D Ware to go up against Tyron Smith, and you would see that like day randomly, in and day out, yeah. just randomly, like, oh no, nah, we're gonna stop everything. We want to see one on one. Gotta have it. Who is mm-hmm. Dez gonna go against as a cornerback, just to kind of build up that this is a competition. Yes. Everything is a competition, and we're here to compete. Right. So it's not reinventing the wheel. So you know the fact that he came up with something to make it seem a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, more power to him. It's just us as players, just how we looking at it. You know, but if it works for him and his team, then that's that's great. Okay, Danny, let's just get straight to it. Thumbs up or thumbs down on the Mojo moment? The the, the name? Uh, thumbs down. I, I got to go thumbs down on the name, okay. but I'm not in that locker room. They had a whole conversation about it. it. You know, I do love Austin Powers. I just don't think it fits. The Mojo moment to me is like, if you got Mojo, that means you got some swag. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it doesn't really translate into a swag moment. It's has got to have it. Like, what are we going to do? This, this is, is a situational true. moment. But, you know, if it, if it sticks, it sticks. Well, well, let me ask both of y'all this question real quick. From, from what y'all saw from McCarthy, you know, through the first episode of that Hard Knocks, do y'all think this guy can be a good motivator of men? I mean, I know, you know, Garrett kind of got that that label as he can't motivate his guys to go out there and win, and he has a stacked team, but, you know, nobody wants to play for him. Do you see McCarthy being that great motivator, that guy that can get the most out of each and every player? Nui, Danny, anybody? You know, Nui not going to answer that question. I'll start. I'll go, start. Right go ahead, here. Nui. I will. I will start right here. 
I am not sold on Mike McCarthy. Okay, mm. last year I I, I, I got to see it. I'm just not sold. Now, Mike McCarthy is able to carry in something that most coaches in the National Football League cannot carry into a locker room is a Super Bowl ring yeah. on his finger. Yeah. But my question with Mike McCarthy has been ser- seriously this. Green Bay identified him as the problem with their organization. They fired him. They've gone 26 and 6 without him and played an NFC Championship game twice and Aaron Rodgers won another MVP. So how much of it was Mike and how much of it is you've got number 12. Now, I thought he brought up a really good point on Hard Knocks. He says it takes 77 guys to win a Super Bowl. At least it did for him with Green Bay. And I remember even during that Super Bowl game, they were losing dudes. I think they lost Woodson during that Woodson game, a Donald out, yeah. Driver. So Mike McCarthy, he had, he had found a way to utilize several people. He had Ryan Grant, who was running really good that year. I remember him in some fantasy leagues where he was doing a real good job. They lost him. They went through a bunch of running backs. So Mike McCarthy has been able to build a championship team. But it's one of those things where, hey, look, somebody can have a good record, but can you can you continue to make good records? You know, you have a hit song, you know, but it's a whole lot of thing to be a hit hit artist. You know, you, you know, can you be Stevie Wonder, who's been good year after year after year, decade after decade? Are you like Belichick, who's been good year after year? Tom Landry, same thing. Or was Mike McCarthy a guy who just had one great run in him, such as Rick Carlisle had with the Dallas Mavericks? That's been my question with Mike McCarthy right now. I can't sit up here and tell you that I'm sold on Mike McCarthy being the guy. In fact, I asked Jerry Jones that very question when I interviewed him Sunday, the first Sunday at training camp. Do you have the right guy? Because I said the same thing. Packers went 26 and 6 without this dude. So what am I supposed to say? And, and Jerry says he's sold, sold. And he said he's not going to count last year. That's Jerry's whole thing. He's not counting last year. I'm sorry. Cowboy fans are counting last year. 6 and 10. Can't have any more of that six and ten bull job. Yeah, yeah, and and you got to see, you know, because if you look at it, his career with the Packers, I mean, he had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks throughout his whole tenure with the with with the Packers. I mean, he had Brett Favre, and then he had Aaron Rodgers, and he he was able to amass one Super Bowl out of that. But you got to think, I mean. They say he's, you know, this great play caller. He's offensive mind. He's a genius out there. And, and we've yet to see that as well because he has Kellen Moore, you know, calling all the shots out there. So I want to see this season, and, and we've got to see it this season, is what type of coach is McCarthy? Is he a, is he a coach that can, can motivate his teammate or can motivate his players, even the, the lesser players to play, you know, beyond their, beyond their skill set? Can he be that type of coach? Or is he the type of coach that, you know, hey, he's along for the ride? I mean, he has a, a loaded team right now with the Dallas Cowboys, and he has to simply manage them in the right direction. Do you think he can be that that motivator, that manager of this team to get them to play to the peak of their abilities? I don't think we're going to have to see that from Mike McCarthy. Okay. Um, I think you don't have that issue on offense because mm-hmm. of the players that you have, and we know the type of leader that Dak is, yeah. and we know that everybody's going to follow him. They're going to follow Zeke. Mm-hmm. You kind of got okay. a receiving core that they, they they know what to do, right? You have Amari Cooper leading, leading that bunch. You yeah. don't see them getting any issues, and they're productive. And then on special teams, we know that that that, that Fossil is is a he's motivator. A yeah, yeah. He, he's going to motivate his guys yeah. to get out there and play. He's going to come up with creative things to make sure that they feel like they're a part of the game and making those plays. And I'm gonna call this man just like uh like like he called himself, my man DQ. My man DQ, Dan Quinn, seems like he has the guys fired up man. and ready to get in there, tackle, make their uh, be on their assignments, make plays on the ball. As Nui said, if you've been watching training camp, the defense have been, has been getting the best of the offense. Yeah. And so I don't think you, when you look at it, you have to see McCarthy being the motivator of men yeah. because these guys in their position coach, their coordinators, are going to have them ready to play 
uh, when it comes game time anyway. So I don't, I don't know if you're going to see it. I, and, I, go ahead, go ahead, D-Mac. Well, and, you know, the Super Bowl trophy, it's, it's, it's heavier than it looks. It's heavier than it looks. <laughs> as he was just hoisting that thing up. But <laughs> to your point, I, I love what you said about Dan Quinn because you, you see it in these practices. You see it. Um, while they were out there in Oxnard and even in the preseason game, that these guys, these players, these guys on the defensive side of the ball, they seem to believe in Quinn. They seem to believe in what he has going for him. You see these guys, they're fired up. There's not a lot of coverage busts out there. Now, I don't know if you know he's implemented his whole defense yet or they're just dealing with the super basics right now, but you haven't seen any coverage busts out there. These guys are flying around to the ball, and one difference I've seen, I know it's early, I know we only got a short sample size, but from that Steelers game, you saw those guys swarm into the ball. There wasn't just, you know, one guy trying to make all the plays or one guy tackling in the open field. There was one, two, three, four different hats to the ball at a time. And I feel like that's what you got to have on a defense is a, that swarming mentality. I think last year we had – it was just too many one-on-ones. There were just too many open field, just one-on-ones. And that, to me, as we both know, that's one of the hardest things to do in, in football is to tackle somebody in the open field. So I, I, I do, to your point, say that Dan McQuinn – or Dan Quinn. McQuinn. Yeah, McQuinn. <laughs> Dan I'm Dan McQuinn. McQuinn. <laughs> Dan McQuinn, baby. Yeah. Uh, Quinn has definitely got the belief in these young boys and they're rolling. <laughs> All right, we, we, we got to take we got to take a break. There's one player that I almost feel has been forgotten about, and we should not forget about this player because this player has played a key role before for the Dallas Cowboys. I'll tell you who it is, and Danny McCray will sit up here poo poo it. I can guarantee you. We'll do that next right here on the Players Lounge, brought to you by Hotels.com on DallasCowboys.com Radio. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Hey, Cowboys fans, ready to spice up your next watch party? Bring Yokiero guacamole and be the game day hero. Yokiero means I want, and we know you want, great, fresh-tasting, ready-to-serve guacamole for your home-gating and tailgating events. Made with real avocados and the perfect blend of spices, it will be the star of any party. You can find us at your local Albertsons or Tom Thumb in the deli section. If you can't find it, talk to your store manager and tell them, Yokiero, Yokiero guacamole. It's game day. You know what that means. First, kebab prep. Steak, pepper, onion, steak, pepper, onion. Next, a counterclockwise lap around the room. Now, the lucky grease-stained jersey goes on. And lastly, the dance. You know the one. This is a game day ritual no matter where you are. Whether you're traveling to the game or watching from your favorite vacation spot, book a place to stay on Hotels.com and keep the tradition alive and well. Hotels.com, proud partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Back to the Players' Lounge. 
Hey, don't miss your chance to see the Cowboys at AT&T Stadium this season. A limited number of single-game standing room-only tickets are on sale now. Get yours at DallasCowboys.com slash tickets. You're in the Players' Lounge. Louis Scruggs, longtime Cowboys reporter, joined by two former Dallas Cowboys safeties, Barry Church and Danny McCray. Now, Amari Cooper has been activated off the physically unable to perform list. He will be seeing some practice who? time, number 19. Who are you talking about? Who, who? is... <laughs> Who? Dallas Cowboys, number one wide receiver. See, see, look at the disrespect, who, man. Who, who, this you man talking about was to the Cowboys from the Raiders. <laughs> and, and say, this man saved Jason Garrett's job. Saved Jason Garrett's job. <laughs> took the Cowboys to the playoffs. But people have forgotten about that. But not me, baby. Not me. I'm there with you, Coop. Fourth and what? The man pulled himself out the game? Yeah, about fourth and five. How many road games they had that he didn't show up to? Oh, Okay, all right. He did. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, Go ahead, Nui. What, what was you about to say? What you about to say about uh, my boy? <laughs> well, first off, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, it's good to know Danny McCray. Some trains run on time. I bring up Cooper. Here come the negativity train, but that's okay. That's okay. Hey, Daddy ain't got over. Coop understands. Was it? Coop understands what it was going on, and that's why he said he's about to have the best season of his career. If Kellen Moore lets him, he is about to go ahead. And get he's about to go out here and get his game on. And so 19 and 88 are going to have the potential, in my opinion, the potential to have some big seasons for the Cowboys. Look, I, potential. I'm, I'm with you on so, that one. I think, you know, definitely CD. I think for sure CD throughout this camp, and you'll see the early part of this season, I think CD will solidify himself as being that number one option for Dak Prescott as far as the passing game is concerned. But uh, what I'm what I'm seeing though is you know it's a lot of you know CD Lamb and Amari Cooper. We gonna do this. We gonna do that. We gonna destroy the game. Gonna be the best duo. Right, right. We gonna be the best duo in the National Football League. But I thought this was a trio. I thought this was the receiving crew that's gonna all oh, all go over a thousand yards. Nobody can stop us. We'll be amazing. People seem no, to forget no. about Gallup, and it's not just I, people. His own teammates seem no, to no. have forgotten about Gallup. I don't. I don't. I don't on, think man. that's the case, man. Because 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 this, this this is what happens. This is what we know about about Gallup. Okay, there is a certain certain type of ball. Nah, yeah, yeah. Adjust your adjust your thing a little bit. There's a certain yeah. type of ball that that uh, that Michael Gallup usually makes a spectacular play on. And that is the deep ball, usually on the sideline, not up the seam. C.D. Lamb is, it usually doesn't run those routes, and Amari Cooper usually isn't running those routes. When you need a deep ball, gotta have it. It's Michael Gallup. So, so you're saying he's a one-trick pony? No, no. I'm just saying he's not going to be forgotten about because we're going to be in situations where we need to have that deep, gotta have it pass, and Michael Gallup is going to be the guy to go make that play. Do you okay. think? Do you think this will affect the room overall, though? Like, if if C.D. Lamb's getting first five games, C.D. Lamb's got 50 targets, Amari Cooper got 60 targets, and then you know you're sitting over there with Gallup in a contract year. I might add, in a contract year with you know 15 targets no, here no. and there. You don't think that'll affect the room? I, I think it'll affect the room. But I think that this is what makes Dak a great leader. And I don't think that he will allow that to become an issue. And I don't see Michael Gallup only getting, you know, 15, 20 catches while the rest of these guys are making those type of plays. Because we know defenses are going to figure out who they need to focus on, and then Michael Gallup will get more opportunities. He may not get talked about that way. He's just going to have to make those plays to bring his name back into the fold. What you think, Nui? Hey, look. I, I, my weekend guy, Pat Doney, over at NBC5, called Michael Gallup elite. He said the Cowboys have three elite receivers. And my first thought is, 
look, I like Michael a lot. I think he's a fun guy to talk to, but there's no way in the world we can call Michael Gallup elite. Elite means that you are the best of the best. And here's a guy who's a number three target on his own team. And if we start talking about touches with Ezekiel Elliott, he's even further down the list because they've been running a whole lot of screen game here. So I expect to see Ezekiel Elliott heavily involved in the passing game. We've seen Blake Jarwin out there making some nice catches. And Dalton Schultz has been a guy that these backup quarterbacks have really relied upon. So I just don't know how much juice and how many balls are going to be out there for Michael Gallup. When you need a play, you just throw it to CeeDee Lamb and he's catching it. Amari Cooper is still a guy Dak Prescott trusts, and I think that matters, and I don't think we talk about that enough. 19 is a dude that he's been trusting with. So you take 19 and 88, two guys he can trust, you play 21 in the way you need to do and get him some touches here, I don't see how Gallup is really going to be able to get these balls that he wants to. When people talk about this guy's going to sign some deal next year for 13 or $14 million, and he's going to be a number one somewhere. How are you going to be a number one somewhere when you can't even get to be really be a two if both guys are healthy in this offense? And you're probably the fourth or fifth option, depending on who you play and how this game plan is going. Yeah, and to me, it's going to come down to whether Gallup is the ultimate you know, team guy, whether he's, you know, look, it's in a contract year. He has the opportunity to make that Dennis Schroeder before he he got that up, <laughs> he, he got an opportunity to make those those big bucks. Oh, so yeah, I had to throw no, that shooter in there. No, I had to do no, it. It was one of the biggest no. gaffes I think I've ever seen when it came to mm-hmm. negotiating and making money. You pass up eighty four, you're left with five. But anyways, <laughs> Gallup, I, I think I think no. if if he listens out to the to, to the media people, like if he listens to guys like us out here, I think it's gonna start getting to him, and I think it might affect the room. But you know, hey, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Money, think, money changes minds a lot. I think he's going to be fine. He's he's not a number one receiver. Definitely uh, not a number. Not, one. It's not not at this point in his, no. in his career. He's not. If he makes some improvements and and he's able to get some more balls thrown his way, he makes some more spectacular catches than maybe. But. I, I think he just needs to settle into the role that he's been playing. Yeah. C.D. Lamb was the first round pick last year. He came on the scene. He got he got he got a lot of lot of looks. Amari yeah, <laughs> Cooper is going to get a lot of looks, and Gallup is going to get the spectacular plays, right. and they're going to give him the opportunity to go down there and make those thirty and forty yard catches. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We shall see. I, I'll give I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example of a great trio, and you guys may remember it. Um, a guy named Jake Reed, who's a North Texas resident. Jake Reed played on some great Vikings teams with Randy Moss and Chris Carter. Jake was a really good football player, but he just wasn't those two guys. And obviously he's not those two guys because those two guys were Hall of Famers. I'm not calling Cooper, not calling Lamb Hall of Famers. But I believe that you're talking about guys who are a step above Michael Gallup. And I think Michael Gallup may be in a different offense someplace. Maybe he can become a one. But I just don't see him getting a 1,000 yards or having to be this big option like they're talking about here. 21 looks good, fellas. Okay? Mm -hmm. He really does look good. And the screen game I saw, if this offensive line is healthy and and if they can get this screen game out there and then some of the routes they have him running, 21 is going to be something to deal with, okay? That's where I just don't see Gallup getting getting his love. They, they put him on him covering the media, guys, so that's nice. Yeah, you yeah. know, they're trying. <laughs> they're trying to make him feel good. But I, there's just too many mouths to feed if this offense is doing everything that we believe it can be and live up to. I mean, I'm telling you right now, Blake Jarwin looks nice. Yeah. He looks nice. And for some reason, 
there's no animosity or between he and Dalton Schultz at all. They're buddies. They're trying to push each other here. And Dalton Schultz is not trying to sit up here and just give this thing away to Blake Jarwin. He's looked good as too. So you're Kellen Moore, man. You've got options. We ain't even talked about Tony Pollard here, guys. Yeah. Not even talked about. This is true. So stop it, Nui. Stop it. He does not need too many options, okay? <laughs> we already talked about what – listen, we talked about this before Dak had the shoulder strain. Yeah. Go into these first games, run the ball, and then, you know, let these other options feed off whatever Zeke does. He don't need too many things, too many people to focus on. Hey, man, let's get Jarwin. Let's make sure we take care of Schultz because he did do something for us last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got to fit Tony Pollard in there somewhere. And also, don't let Michael Gallup get okay. too upset, so make sure let's – not, let's not do that, okay? You said 21 looks great. Focus the offense around twenty one. Ease Dak back into it, and Coop and uh and and, and CD will get their touches. And then you know Michael Gallup yeah. when, when we need that that we got that third and twenty. Toss the ball to my man Michael Gallup, man. Let him go out there and look, make a play. Look, I think we can all agree that it's a good problem for the Cowboys to have all these you know options, and that you know it's going to be hard for defenses to match up with them because they have so many mismatch nightmares out there. Tight end, wide receiver, running back, you call it. They got the mismatch for it. Uh, but I want to pivot a little bit, just a little bit right here, because, Nui, you were there at practice. You were there when the Rams came to town. How did the big hog mollies up front, how did those giants in the trenches, ah. how did they look out there against a vaunted Rams rush? I mean, you got Aaron Donald. You got Leonard Floyd out there. You got some guys that can get after the pass rush or can get after the quarterback. So, to me, how did those big boys look once the Rams got into town? I saw that body slam, too. Oh, I did see that. It was a great takedown on Aaron Donald. Yeah. He had good form, but if you continue to look at it, Aaron Donald jumped on him real quick <laughs> afterwards. And if his boys ain't hop in, I, I don't know. But you know, how did they look out there, dude? How did they look? Okay, so so Church, you, you're telling on yourself because clearly you didn't watch any of my reporting. For, uh, <laughs> I want you to explain to the to the audience. I see. <laughs> I was I was I was at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, on Saturday and Sunday for 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 the, for the speeches. So oh, I didn't see. Oh, so you so weren't what up there. I okay. did see. So so here's what I did see though, and this was absolutely the craziest thing, and why Jerry Jones is truly the man. So at the Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium, they had a whole locker room they converted into the Cowboys Club, full of food, all you can drink, <laughs> TVs. So I'm sitting next to Clarence Hill and Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones somehow had the feed of the scrimmage piped into the locker room where we're watching this uh, at this Cowboys club waiting on Cliff Harris and Jimmy Johnson to get their speeches. And so we're just asking Jerry about stuff we're seeing. And it is, I mean, first off, I'm like, how in the world did Jerry get this thing pumped in here? But he did. So we watched it from there, and Jerry, Canada uh, made a play out there. He was big on him. We mm-hmm. saw a little bit of the fight. Um, J- Jerry didn't comment on that at all, and, and so I didn't get to see uh, the scrimmage to ask, answer your question. But okay. uh, Jerry Jerry was a fan of what he saw a little bit that he saw there. Uh, by the way, that Matthew Stafford can sling it. My gosh, that kid's got an arm. Yeah, he, and it's, it's uh, we got a ridiculous arm. Backup. Yeah, after watching the backup quarterbacks that I saw in Oxnard when Dak went down to see Matthew Stafford, it was just like, ooh, oh my gosh, look at that, ooh, that's a wicked throw. <laughs> so I, I didn't, I did not get to see how how they stacked up against the Rams. So I, I didn't because I was hanging next to Jerry and uh, enjoying uh, 
enjoying everything at the Cowboys Club before we walked out there and uh, watched some speeches. Well, man. It was good stuff, man. Was that rolling what, with rolling with Jerry is a good thing? Was that was that McDonald's on uh on Hard Knocks last night? Was he eating a McDonald's sandwich in, when he was in his office? Was that a McGriddle? I hope not. No, that was something from the hotel. Hotel food. All right, that, that's what I said. Somebody uh-huh. told me it was a McGriddle. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, well, no, you did watch. No, you know, like no, the rest of like the rest of us, <laughs> you did watch um, the Hall of Fame game. You did. You did get a chance to go see the Hall of Fame game. So I gotta, I gotta know what Ooh. your what your early thoughts on one are first round draft pick Parsons, and two, what you think about those backup quarterbacks that we uh, we talked about here on the Players Lounge last week? So uh, let me know, let me know your thoughts on those. One, Micah Parsons was drafted too low. Okay, mm. uh, I can't believe there are eleven football players better than Micah Parsons. In fact, he told me he said I should have gone top five. Mm. So that, that's my first take on on Micah Parsons. I think if you're a Cowboy fan, you're going to be happy if this kid stays healthy. He has the the desire, the right frame of mind. So it's kind of talking to him and C.D. Lamb. These are two guys who both really want to be very good mm-hmm. at their careers. And as far as the Hall of Fame game goes with the quarterbacks, I, I'll just maintain what I've said before right oh. here on the Players Lounge. And, uh, the backup quarterback for this football team is not on this roster, in my opinion. Man, y'all, y'all going to do that? Dan, let me hear what you think about it. You know exactly. Saying. We had three points, okay? My man, your man, Double G, had he had a decent drive. Mm. And then other than that, it, it was nothing. It was, it was nothing. I don't, I don't like what I saw. And if they're, you know, knocking on wood, this is just whatever. Mm-hmm. If Dak has to miss any time, I am not confident in mm. what we have as the backup right now to be able to hold it together until he uh, until he returns. Well, before I go in on, on Double G here, what what'd you think about Parsons and his ability out there uh, for the couple of series we did see him at the Hall I, of Fame game? Man, it's crazy because it, it's going to sound like it's a knock on Jalen, but I was like, this is what I thought when Jalen returned to his mm-hmm. former self, how he was in college. Yeah. I was like, this is this is how Jalen's going to look, right? Mm-hmm. The dude looks fast. He does. He looks agile. He looks like he can get around blocks. He's running past guys who are trying to block him. He's chasing down, giving 100% effort on every play, mm-hmm. and he's just high energy. That's the true. Dude, the dude looks – if he figures it out and he's he knows part. where he's supposed to be, when he's supposed to be there, and he's able to play fast and free – Oh, he's going to be nice. Yeah. Somebody's spot is getting taken. <laughs> Somebody's spot is getting yeah, taken you, for sure. You can oh. count that out. Somebody's off the field. For, <laughs> for sure. Well, well my, my thoughts on, on, on Parsons, man, like, look, if this guy can stay healthy through 17 games, if he can stay healthy, I think the sky's the limit for this kid. I mean, you can – even though we have a small sample size so far of him, he flashed. He popped off the tape. I mean, you could, you could feel his speed – on the game film, and he, he sideline to sideline, he was just there. And so I think, you know, even though it's early, it's really early, you know, small sample size, I do think this guy can be special, and I do think that he can be a huge reason to why, you know, this Cowboys defense makes a turnaround in 21. But back to my boy, Double G. All right, y'all was over here talking all types of stuff about Double G last last uh, last time we were on the players' still, line, and still, I was there we still, too. We still talking y'all about Y'all still it. talking about it. And I was with y'all a little bit because it was nervous. I heard the reports out of practice, and I was a little bit nervous for him. But like I said, said, man, this guy is a gamer, all right? Some guys show up to practice, and they practice well. Some guys come up to the game, and they just play well in the game. And I think Double G is one of those gamers. I mean, we saw what he was able to do against the Steelers, the undefeated Steelers at the time. And look, I mean, that's all we got right now of Double G 
is the Steelers and in this preseason game. And y'all can't tell oh, me boy. through this preseason game. Nui, Danny, y'all can't tell me Double G didn't look like he had some pocket presence back there. He was putting the ball where only his receivers could catch it, and he was letting them run with it afterwards. I said they had a decent drive. A dr- he had a decent oh, he drive. Was it, was the ha- drive. it was the Hall of Fame game. Yes, yeah, he, he had was. a decent drive. And he, he was playing with who he could yeah, play with. Yeah. The guy was out Wait, there. Well, I mean, if he's our backup quarterback, then he should have been looking great. If he looks like that behind that offensive line, just imagine Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins, Zeke in the backfield. That's what me and, the that's three what, receiver. That's what me and Nui telling you, bro. We don't want to imagine that. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> with you on that. I'd rather have that tenfold. I'm with you. But if it were to happen, Double G can do his thing back there. He's a gamer. Hey, Nui, I remember. He is I remember, a gamer. I remember uh, when when Dak was having his contracts talk contract talks. Uh, my man Church was over here. Kind of putting it out there that that, uh, that double G might be able to to step nah. in and Dak <laughs> and then he, and then he went down to Justin Fields, but you you knew double G you had some real confidence in double G just like you had in Danucci before you saw did y'all him. See, did y'all see Danucci? I know y'all saw Danucci out there. Man, he ain't even getting brought up on the show right now. Double G though, he is a game. I'm telling you, this guy's a game. I'm not saying he's not a gamer. We just saying Nui. Like I, I agree with Nui, our backup quarterback who we need to depend on. If something goes wrong, it's not on the roster, and that includes Double G. Man, what you think, Louis? What, what, what you think? Yeah, uh, Danucci's getting cut. Yes. So I'm going to let you know that right now. Yes. He's going to get cut, and maybe maybe they bring him back on the practice squad. Uh, at this point in time, unless Cooper Rush turns it around, he'll get cut too. And yes. I think they'll keep two quarterbacks. They'll keep Dak, and they'll keep Ger- they'll keep Garrett Gilbert, and Will McClay will be out there looking. But that's just how I see just based off one preseason game and, 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 and what I've seen so far. So we'll see. Um, look, I'm sorry, man. I know you like I know you like Gary Gilbert. I like he's a nice guy. Okay? Oh. He's a nice guy. He's a nice young man. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm sorry, man. man. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, all I can, but to quote the great Bill Parcells, all I can go by is what I see. I saw three points. At the Hall of Fame. That's game. what I saw. I was falling asleep in the fourth quarter. Okay, I was falling asleep in the press uh, box in the fourth quarter. I'm like, oh, wait, is there some coffee here? Because this is a super snoozer. Hey, <laughs> we got to take another break. When we come back, I want to. Don't I break. want you guys to tell me what I saw. Okay, what I saw between Dan Quinn, Mike McCarthy, and a player. Walking after practice, what does it really mean? I want you guys to tell me because you're former professional football players. When a head coach and a coordinator decide they want to spend time with you after practice, walking up and down the field, we'll do that next right here. Players Hunch brought to you by Hotels.com on DallasCowboys.com radio. At Smoothie King, we are blending goodness to fuel your greatness. Every blend is crafted to help you achieve your health and fitness goals. Smoothie King uses only whole fruits and organic veggies. You'll never find sugary syrups or artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. And unlike some other smoothie places, there are zero grams of added sugar in many of our blends. Smoothie King is proud to be the official smoothie of the Dallas Cowboys. Place your order in the app or online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hey, Cowboys fans, ready to spice up your next watch party? Bring Yokiero guacamole and be the game day hero. Yokiero means I want, and we know you want, great, fresh-tasting, ready-to-serve guacamole for your home-gating and tailgating events. Made with real avocados and the perfect blend of spices, it will be the star of any party. You can find us at your local Albertsons or Tom Thumb in the deli section. If you can't find it, talk to your store manager and tell them, Yokiero, Yokiero guacamole. 
the Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. Before you can park yourself in front of the game, park yourself in a John Deere and power through your chores. Our Land Run package is a 1025R, 25-horsepower tractor with a loader, rotary cutter, and a box blade for $229 a month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. So don't miss another kickoff. Visit unitedagandturf.com. Offer ends February 1st, 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now let's get to work. Back to the Players' Lounge. All right, Nuri Scruggs here, former and, and two former Dallas Cowboys safeties, uh, Barry Church, Danny McCray, right here. We are the Players Lounge, brought to you by Hotels.com. Get the ultimate fan experience for the ultimate Cowboys fan. Join Dallas Cowboys United, presented by Globe Life, for just twenty bucks. Join now and get your fan pack, exclusive access to training camp benefits and more. Visit DallasCowboys.com/United for details and to join today. So, guys, we talked about this on the Players Lounge the last time, and I want to come back to it. After a practice, I see Dan Quinn and Mike McCarthy walking with Micah Parsons. They walk all the way down the football field. They stop, talk for a little bit. They walk all the way back. Then we see him playing major minutes in the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame game, and he was wearing the green dot calling plays. Then they ended up taking him out after they felt like they saw enough of him because Mike McCarthy said, hey, I want to get guys some playing time in Canton, but at the same time, he wanted to make sure they had some juice to get ready for that Rams uh, scrimmage on Saturday. So, fellas, based on that walk, based on what you've seen so far, what kind of plans do you think the Cowboys have for Micah Parsons at linebacker? They, they, they have the usual <laughs> the usual plans for their, their high first-round pick. I remember, mm-hmm. um, I believe, was it Mo? Did, it was Mo Claiborne. Yeah. Uh, who came in and, and, you know, they had two solidified starters that were here already. Those starters were kind of upset and they were making sure, putting in all the extra time that they could to make sure that Mo got caught up to speed so he was ready to play in that first regular season game. So it, it, it feels very similar, very similar to that. And that's why I believe that somebody's spot is going to get taken. I don't believe that he's going to be taking a lot of Randy Gregory's reps over rushing off the edge. So it's going to be Van Der Esch or it's going to be Jalen Smith who's losing out on some of those nickel reps. Yeah, and, and I'm right there with you on that. When you see, you know, the defensive coordinator, not the position coach, not the linebacker, the the defensive coordinator, you know, walking with the first round pick up and down the field after practice, as if I'm in, you know, Van Der Escher or if I'm in Smith's shoes, I'm sitting there like, all right, man, one of us is up out of here. Or, yeah, I mean, because I, I don't think they got enough room to keep all three. And even if they do, somebody's reps is getting taken. Um, I mean, you already seen it. The writing's on the wall. When they were in that preseason game, you know, all three of them were on the field at some point, but then sometimes it was just, you know, Van Der Esch and Parsons, and then sometimes it was just Smith and um, Parsons. So he's eating into, regardless of whatever happens, whatever whatever happens as far as week one, he's eating into somebody's reps, whether it be Gregory off the edge, one of these linebackers. And if he keeps making plays, 
and being around the ball like we saw in that in that Steelers preseason game, I mean, he, he might take them all, you know. So it, it's gonna definitely going to be tough. But if I'm looking at that and seeing him walk up and down the field with the coach and, and they're doing everything that they can to make this guy special and make this guy be able to be on the field as much as he can. So that's that's what that's what that is. That's all that is. And, and, and watch the relationship between Dan Quinn and Michael Parsons versus the relationship you see between right. Mike McCarthy and Dak, right? Mm. But if, Dan Quinn calls Michael Parsons. Hey, man, come to the phone. Hey, who is this? Hey, this is DQ. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. know what you did wrong? Yeah, I got to play outside. All right, that's cool. Nah, we ain't letting you go back in the game, man. You're going to yeah. chill out. Peace. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Hang the phone up. That was it. Done. So you know that they're they're getting close, and, and, and he has that respect for Dan Quinn, knowing that he's going to put him in the right position. He, mm-hmm. And he trusts that when the season comes, Dan Quinn is going to get him out there on the field. We, we know this, yeah. all right? So I'm expecting to see big things out of him, you know, unfortunately, you know, at the, at the cost expense, of somebody yeah. else's reps. <laughs> Professional football, professional football. So you guys have brought up um, Dennis Schroeder, who was with the Lakers, and he turned down an $84 million contract during the season. And I just simply want to say this. While that was dumb, and yes, that was bad, that is not the worst contract turned down I've ever seen. A couple years ago, there was a kid that the Mavericks traded for from Philadelphia who was, I think, the third pick overall in the draft a few years before named Nerlens Noel. Mm. Now, by the time they got Nerlens Noel – Here's a guy who was a big disappointment. He never averaged a double-double at all. And Mark Cuban, against the advice of his own people, offered him $72 million, or maybe it was 73 What? And Nerlin said no. He wanted a max deal. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. You've never averaged a double-double in anything in your NBA career? And somebody's offering you $73 million and you about to hold out because you want more? And wait, here's more. Fool came to training camp out of shape. Oh, came to training man. camp out of shape, turned it down $73 million. And uh, so they made him play it out. First off, he fired his agent because he thought that the agent should have got him uh, a, a max contract. So he fired the agent, picked up LeBron's guy. LeBron's guy called the Mavs, and they were like, yeah, man, we're not about to pay him anymore. Uh, we've come to our senses. Mm. He played out the year, and the next season, he signed a two-year contract, which was, which was basically a one-plus-one with a player option, with uh, Oklahoma City for $2 million. <sighs> I mean, you, you hate to see it, and it's just like, man, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't understand. I don't understand like these, but I then I, I then again I guess you can see like you got your like Schroeder he's seeing some of his peers making hundreds of millions of dollars and he's like well I'm I'm as good as him or I'm as good as Chris Paul like I can I can go out there and get you know just as much money as they do and you end up fumbling an eighty four million dollar bag like I I don't understand you need, it you need the right people in your ear telling you the truth about what you are yeah. and what you're worth right because <laughs> if you're telling yourself then you think you Chris Paul you think that you Steph Curry, that you finna get two hundred mil. You know what I'm saying? If, if if you're just if if you're the only person around that that can tell you something that that you know that has some validity. I will say this: another shocking thing that I saw. Uh, I'm not even sure how long ago this happened, but my man uh, Joe Looney uh, goes yeah. goes to New York. Oh. He's there for one day. <laughs> you know, he I think they had to run sprints or something. You know, they got out there and he's like, "Look, let me tell you something, man. My body, my body is not gonna let me perform." At the, you know, at the at the rate that I that I thought it was. So uh, peace. Hey, Joe, Joe was up out of there, Joe man. He was like, "Look, man, I ain't signed up for none of this. Yeah. I'm gonna be a backup, anyways. Nah, I'm up out of here, man. And I'm gonna tell y'all, 
<laughs> the grass is not always greener <laughs> you on the right. other side. All right? yeah. Like the Cowboys, everybody thinks, you know, oh, man, everything's just like the Dallas Cowboys organization. And I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you, it is not. All right, it is nowhere near <laughs> the level that the Dallas Cowboys organization is. So beware all those young free agents out there, young cats. The grass is always not green on the other side. I I'm second bet. I, I can second bet, and I brought my ass right back. <laughs> he came right back. Hey, what's right up, back. Buddy? Coach, you got something for me? I, I, whatever you got, I'll take it. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> well, keep in mind. It was like maybe three or four giants who quit. Who were yeah. Tired. yeah, man, I'm good. I'm about, not about this life, man. Not about this life. So um, that's that's kind of funny because apparently they still have yet to give out the number seventy three with the Cowboys. So maybe maybe Joe could unretire. Or I don't know, make some type of trade or something. But anyway, it was it was hilarious to uh, to see that the Giants and Joe Judge out here running guys off and mm. uh, who knows what kind of. Well, year they're gonna have because um whew. well let me ask y'all a question real quick what makes y'all think or what do y'all think makes these players these veteran players you're already in the camp you already did otas mini camp you're in the training camp right now okay. what makes you think well what makes these players think all right well i'm gonna wait all the way until the last minute to retire like you don't think they have these thoughts you know in otas and mini camp like I wonder what you know goes through their thoughts to where at training camp they're just like you know what it's over. Yeah, I don't know why why Joe would do that because I know that him and JG would have had to have some type of conversation yeah. to get them to come in. And my thing is, no matter who it is, JG or not, I'm just like, hey man, you agreed to this as a as a man to say, hey, this is what I want to do. I'm gonna come in mm-hmm. and this is what I agree to for one day. Yeah, you know, like it, one day I can see you having a bad season. Mm-hmm. You know, like my boy was it Vontae? My man yeah. say, man, I ain't going back out at that time. You know, yeah, like I'm rough. staying in the locker room. You know, but he went through the season. And he was having whatever mm-hmm. thoughts or whatever. My man Joe was there for 24 hours. Yeah, <laughs> it, it wasn't like he was there. You know, through all OTAs, mini camp, and then you know how he got that long yeah. break before camp. He was with his family. He was like, you know what? I just can't do it. No, he was he was just there for one day. Like, just don't come, <laughs> I don't, bro. Yeah, I don't understand that at all, man. At all. Because, all right, here's my thought, and this is just my thought, that Jason convinced him. You know, he'd been talking to him and talking to him and talked to him and then convinced him, and he went up there, and, and he got a taste of it and said, nah, I'm going to go right on back here to Grapevine, Texas, and uh, live the rest of my life. I'm good. I don't need this. <laughs> and I remember talking to Bart Scott once. Bart told me the reason he didn't go back and play at the end, he said, man, they were offering a million, two million dollars. And he said, after taxes for everything that I got to put my Mm -hmm. body through, is it worth that? He said, no, it's not. He's like, you know, my body's worth more than a half million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and then, or, or a million when you consider just everything else. And he talked about, I have to move to a different place. Mm-hmm. Um, my family's not going to be here and around me. And he just, and he, at the end of the day for him, he said, it wasn't going to be worth the cost. And if a team wanted to meet his number to come play, he said he'd do it. Mm-hmm. Team never met his number. So he decided to retire and he got into broadcasting. Yeah, that was just a smart move. I mean, like like you said, after you go through, t- everybody looks at that 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 big number that jumps out. Oh, he signed a one year for you know three million dollars or something like that. After taxes, depending on where you're playing at, just to say you're playing in New York, man. After the taxes and you know after you got to pay taxes in each place you play in and agent fees. fees and all that, and probably cost of living and all that stuff, it dwindles extremely fast. So I, you know, I definitely can can believe when these older guys move on at the last, you know, last couple years of their career and they start thinking, you know, is it is it worth? 
you know, they, they say three million, but it's really going to be around one point five, one point one. Is it really worth putting my body, you know, through six months of hell for that and leaving my family? Because a lot of these cats got, you know, kids and kids starting school and you're missing out a lot of that. So I guess that also has to go into it with these veteran guys. But I always never understood, you know, why go in at the last minute and then just retire right before the season. Never understood it for me. Well, I also go into this and, and, and you guys know it well, because now you, you both have, have children is when you're away from your family, all the things that you put on your wife to handle. Yeah, that's true. And if you've got small kids, that's a lot. And and if you're someplace you really don't want to be. And if you're doing and if and like Barry, you had secured a bag. So yeah. if you secured a bag, then that's where you decide to say, man, is it really worth it? And that's where Bart was. Bart had secured a bag from the Jets. Yep. So it was kind of that thing, man, I don't have to do it for this. And I don't know about you, Barry, but, you know, for a guy like Bart, he thought about, hey, how many more hits am I putting on my body and how much of the how many of those hits could result into some longer term damage for my for my health and safety? And he just felt for that money, it wasn't worth it. Maybe you felt the same way when you decided. To yeah, I'm, I'm right there with Bart on that one. I had offers from Seattle, offers from Washington uh, once I was done with the Jacksonville. But when you start thinking about it and, you know, you got to move, like you said, you got to move and after taxes and all that stuff. And then your body, your body's talking to you as well. I mean, there's days I get out of bed and for no reason my toes are hurting, my ankles are hurting. I'm like, man, what? And then you get to the practice facility and you're like, how am I going to get through this practice? Like, what am I? My body is hurting. And, and, it, and it talks to you after a while. And then that's when a lot of guys, you know, say, you know what? The money ain't even worth it. I'm going to go ahead and call it a career. And then there's some guys that go ahead and keep playing. And then next thing you know, those guys, you know, as they get older, they have health problems. So definitely got to look out for your body. That's the number one thing uh, when you're doing a, this NFL thing as a career, man. It's definitely a tough, right. tough career. Hey, that's the Players Lounge. We appreciate uh, everybody being patient with us as we had our mojo moments uh, <laughs> trying to make this thing go. But uh, we, we, we got it done. We got it done. Thanks to everybody here at DallasCowboys.com behind the scenes and making sure this thing works for us. Uh, Danny Barry, let's do it again here. Uh, everybody else, uh, keep on watching all the great podcasts right here at DallasCowboys.com radio. Take care. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!